I decided that I'm officially bowing out of the squeegee boy discussion. Okay. Um, the mayor has uh, proposed that we start paying them not to squeegee, which feels like a hard thing to like regulate. I think the paying reason them to not pay them like a couple hundred dollars a week oh. to stay off of the taxes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's a check. I don't know how. Oh, oh tax money. Yeah, yeah, it would be tax money. It's from the city government. But it's like, what if I just wanted to go to the state office building and be like, I'm a squeegee boy and I will yeah. not squeegee for money. Yeah. I, I, I vowed not to squeegee as well. You know, it seems like that could be something that could be manipulated. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I'm not saying crack skulls and send police down there and just get them off the corners, but like pay them to not squeegee feels like you're rewarding people for doing things that people have decided we don't want you to do this. I understand you're struggling. People need to eat, but like it's overwhelmingly being received negatively by the constituency of the city. Like people don't, it don't sounds approach like, it sounds my, like a like, battle that they, like we've lost. There's nothing we can do to yeah. get them off the street. And, and we look and bad so, if we, if we do the put them in jail or yeah. harass them route, which I understand the optics of that look bad only though, because sometimes as kids, but sometimes it's like twenty five year old dudes. Yeah, I just don't incentivize paying them to not, not to do something. Not to do something. It's it sounds wild. That's 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 wild. You know, I, I, like I would love the wrong approach. I what about what about like giving them a job, help them get you know some type of employment? What about like giving some type of a? Uh, but they tried that a discount the, on like school classes, college classes. Like what's yeah. I don't know what the incentive. Is. I don't know if it's like you don't squeegee and you got to show up to school. And then you get the money. That's what I'm saying. Like, do you have to like not be truant? It gotta be something. It has to be like, what are the qualities? It has to be yeah. more qualities. I hope so. But, but the, for them the, to be like, we're going to oh, pay you not to do something. It's like, I feel, that feels like a lot of people can manipulate that. Yeah. And I'll be down there. I wish them well. I, w- I would like for them to get off the corners because it's dangerous for them and it can be dangerous for other people. It's just like, some people don't want to be bothered at, at rush hour to like have to tell you no. Yeah. Even like the energy that it takes, I think people act like that's not a hard thing to even but but some people have social anxiety some people don't want to confront people some people don't want to be pitched a sales pitch yeah because sometimes you say no and they go come on man be you see me hustling you see me hustling be aggressive i'm just out here grinding to do half a window yeah that's what i'm saying like, they already start like come on man i didn't get i didn't already started the job i told you no yeah you know so you know and then when you go try to pull up or then, then you start to you know people feel disrespected it just is like a lot of people don't want to Pay people to do something they don't need you to do. Oh, man, you could do a little trick. You pull up to the light, but you pull up a couple feet back from the car in front of you. Uh-huh. When oh, and they walk and pull, up. pull up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do that. Yeah. Oh, I do all of yeah. the tricks. <laughs> yeah. I do all the tricks. Don't get it twisted. I told you. I, 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 pull, I put the windshield wipers on. That's not a trick. That's highly disrespectful. <laughs> that's, that's a trick. I will fight you. You try to be an asshole. I don't need you. Asshole. All you had to say was no, man. You don't have to show you like, hey, I have this high price car that does it. Itself. That's not. I don't. I don't, I don't need you. Every car. My every car has window wiper fluid and window and and wipers. Yeah, yours come out pink. It come out pink <laughs> and like it's foamy. Oh, it's there. It was real nice. It's no squeaking. It's silent. It's yeah, the high quality windshield wipers. But no, but uh, I'm not, any car can do that. That's a trick. Here's the tip of the day. If you live in a city where squeegee boys are there, just when they pull up on you, hit the fucking automatic cleaners. Oh, don't Show them. Please Show them how unnecessary their job do is that. and then okay. tell them hey go get a job go hey man go hustle somewhere else yeah. sell I some mean, waters I, told you I don't like them because I think they're thieves 
Sorry, to put that on. <laughs> oh, where where are they, they getting the steal the things from the gas? Where station. are they getting yeah. the wipers from? Of course, you know where they're getting them from. The bucket at the gas yeah, station. Take it from the bucket at the gas station. <laughs> now you can be like, "Oh, it's petty." No, that is theft. I don't care what you. You're stealing from a business. Hey, one thing about Fran. He follows the letter of the law, and you are trying to... Now you wrangle me into your thing because you're using your stolen property to clean my car. Now I'm an accomplice to your crimes. Using your illegal stuff to... to where'd you get the cleaning fluid from? Yeah. Is it cleaning fluid? What is that? <laughs> juice? I don't know what you're putting on my windshields. I hope it's not. It's dishwash. Dish soap. <laughs> Dish soap and water. You using dial on my windshields? <laughs> I'm good. You know, I'm going to dial the police... Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, obvious, we got a problem here And it's more than just obvious dream and punisher When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, got two friends who you won't forget Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival Laughing non-stop, case drops on a cycle Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? AFs, it might as well stay up Lies being told like that dinosaur BS Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us Having the time, roasting your favorite people Bougie ain't an option, it's the way Make it to the grave, add moving to the place You already know when they take the case Laugh the pain away, it's affirmative Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, yeah, right a minute, Mr. Postman. Fran, what's going on, man? How you feeling? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Nothing is new. Oh, let me just speak on the Tesla. Let me just. Oh yeah. Let me just now. Let, oh, before you go, let what? me just say also, you you didn't get a ton of as much heat. As, I shouldn't have got any heat. <laughs> it was bad timing. We can admit that before you go, right? What, bad timing. What, what, what do you mean? Bad well, timing? like we you you the you start you first of all you you argued me down. Yeah, and then the, we got into a little back and forth. Yeah. But go ahead and go ahead. Yeah, I'll I'll let you go. I just want to say that the news that came out was after about Devil's Cliff or the Tesla and the, about the no about the whole what happened what yes. caused the the car to come off the to cliff. come off the cliff and drop two hundred fifty. They still survived. Still survived. That news came out after the show. Yeah. After the show was recorded, I didn't know anything, and I got the news from Good News Network. Yes, it's the site I it used. It was good news at the time. Good vibes because it was that's great news. Yeah, the, the family survived, and I praised the car. Uh, so, but the other part of why it happened, what yeah. caused that, I didn't know anything about. Which is still speculation. Also, let me see. I haven't seen any articles that say this definitely is the case. Yeah, but I'm they oh, just, oh, suspected is bad and is bad right. enough to make to want to come in and say right. something. But still, it was brought to my attention, and I'm like, I didn't know that. I wouldn't have did it. Obviously. Obviously, I of wouldn't course. have did it. <laughs> You're like, this knew, is such good news, news that this guy tried to kill his whole family. I, I knew the news. <laughs> if I go, like, tell it, I'm like, yeah, God drove, drove his car, but the car saved. kept everybody saved. No, here's a, this is how the argument started last week. What? I don't, I think it, it's a miracle that they survived. Yes. But I don't think the car did anything special it was just like the car landed in a way that they didn't die. I don't think it's necessarily like this car was built in a way that like prevented them from dying. It just is a miracle. It man. Yeah, of course, obviously, but it could have. If it was a Chevy a, Equinox, it could have played, played a part, though. Huh? Could have played a part. It could have, you know, hey. Airbags in certain positions. You hey, never know, man. You got me. Hey, you got me, man. Yeah, but you, 
I see you trying to be an asshole. No, no, you got me. You're, You're right. It, it could it could play a pro. I can't I can't fight, argue on, on that. Okay, now if it, it was could have played a role. All right, but if it was an Audi that fell off a cliff what? and they would have died, I went like, hey man, that car is a trash car, shitty <laughs> car. You know, I think you should. It you know, fell two hundred feet off decision. a cliff. Whatever. <laughs> My whole point is, I didn't know that that story came out. The family survived. That's all I care about. That's still good news. That's all I care about. Yes, and that's you know, and the other part. I'm sorry if if that's true. That yeah. news is true. It's unfortunate, but they all survived though. They survived. They got needs help. He yes, needs help, and he's be put in jail for sure. And but I'm glad the kids and the wife. I guess he was married. Couple yeah, married years. couple. I'm glad they survived. Yeah, it's, it's always it's always seems to be the plan. Like I have a I got a new girlfriend, so I don't want to do any of this shit anymore. That's crazy. And as a that's instead sad. of getting a divorce. And having yeah, to man. pay alimony and child support, I'm just gonna like make them not here anymore. That's what which is a crazy leap in logic. Yeah. But we we read those stories quite often. Man, crazy times, man. Anyway, uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go ahead and jump into the shout outs and then get into the fucked up shit. Oh yeah, it's time for some Patreon shoutouts. Hey man, this Tears of Fear song was received pretty well by a lot of people. Also, let me go ahead and uh, um, defend myself. Not really, but I am a defensive person by nature. Uh, I concede that Tears of Fear, this song, Shout, is not a Yacht Rock song. But one, people took me saying Yacht Rock as a, some kind of like a slur. I love Yacht Rock music, and that's why I you know, called it that, just because I would categorize... Tears of Fear, some Tears of Fear songs is Yacht Rock. Obviously, this one is a little more new wave, but they have some songs that are Yacht Rocky. So Tears of Fear kind of b- dances in that I don't that know world. what that is. What is that? Yacht Rock? Yeah. It's like kind of just like chill Sunday morning drinking beer music. Why is like, it like, Why is it Just because it's like music you listen to on a boat, like oh. stereotypically. Like Toto Africa, uh, any Michael McDonald song. Mm. Um just like so a soulful to this song on the Bobby boat? was not this song, oh. but that's why you got some pushback. Yeah, because people were like, "This is not a yacht rock song." But I get it. But like uh, Bobby Bobby Caldwell, mm-hmm. what you won't do? Bobby Womack? Not, <laughs> no, Bobby Caldwell. <laughs> Bobby Caldwell, the white guy that everybody finds out every couple of years. Yeah. They find out he's white again. They're like, "Wait, this guy's white?" Yeah. What you won't do for love is kind of a yacht rocky song, I would say. Mm. But um. Yeah, it's kind of like Blue-Eyed Soul, kind of, I would say Yacht Rock is. But uh, yeah, anyway, shout-outs, Patreon shout-outs. Uh, affirmative Murder on Patreon, look us up. Uh, we got a Affirmative Murder ho- virtual house party coming this month, Fran. We do? Yeah, we when? will get... Um, I don't know. You want to want to do a loose conversation about it now? Uh, Sure. How's your next Friday looking? Next Friday? That's perfect, actually. Next, this, so this Friday? No. No, Friday next after, Friday. Yes. Friday after next. Yes. Okay, cool. Next Friday Wait, after we'll, next, that would be the 28th-ish or something like that? 27th. Hey, <laughs> two Fridays from now. I'll look at a calendar. Hey, we're going to, hey, pencil us in for two Fridays from now, the last week of January. Let's yes. say Thursday or Friday. Let's say Friday, but that weekend around that time, Virtual House Party. More details to come. Me and Fran, Virtual House Party. Get on that Patreon and uh, get ready to party your butts off. I don't know. That's the thing people do, right? But anyway, let's get to these Patreon shout outs. We got quick ones real quick. We got three quick ones. First off, shout out to Omira. Oh my. You made a good decision joining that Patreon, mm-hmm. Fran. Up top, that was a good one. Uh, up next, we got Sparrow R. Hey, she had some Sparrow change, and okay. she decided to donate it to a cause that provides a lot of entertainment to her, I assume. That works. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, Sparrow, Sparrow. And then lastly is 
Dashlin. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel confident I got that right because it's like Ashlyn, but she threw some D's on it. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Dashlin D. That's two D's. Yeah. And hey, but I guess I don't think you got a lot of D's in school because you made a wise decision when you joined the Patreon. Shout out to you, Dashlin. Keep doing your thing out there, okay? God bless you, and may the spirits of the ancestors uh, uh, rain down upon you and uh, uh, give you good fortune into 2023 and the, the new year. Okay. Naji Ramba. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I think it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeInABook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories, and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my mylifeinabook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P, at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. All right, and we are back, Fran. My affirmative murder this week is a little short. Okay. Uh, you know, I ended up watching one of my favorite uh, programs on the ID channel, also on Discovery Plus, is Signs of a Psychopath. You can find it on Hulu as well. Signs do of you a have you have Discovery Plus? Uh, do we have to do this, man? So you do have. I have all of it. I have them all. Paramount. Paramount Plus. Do you? Shout out to Yellowstone. Um, everything. I have all of them. I have all okay. of the things. Um, yeah, I have Discovery Plus. Why though? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you why, but it's probably too much work to cancel it. You know, they probably do like a quarter. Me, this Alvin, this Alvin Williams. Yeah, we all have. Let's get that all. all reliable. <laughs> they hit my account. But wing, money come out seven dollars, eight dollars, nine dollars, twenty four dollars, three dollars, two dollars, six dollars. My shit get hit. I'd be like, oh man, that's like two fifty <laughs> in subscriptions. Easy. Audible. Wondery. <laughs> you have that. Do you? Shout out, to, shout out to Morbid, man. Shout out to Morbid. I wanted to listen to the episode early. Well, how often do you re- listen to books? I, I pick my books carefully. Oh, okay. Like when David Goggins no, drops I a book. I have Audible too, though. Yeah. Honestly. And you get tokens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get, like, I get like two free books a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout Audible, out to you. Yeah. Oh, I fucking love Audible, man. Shout out to Audible. Uh, anyway, yeah, anyway. Uh, my Affirmative Murder this week, I got it from... Signs of a Psychopath, great right. show. They really break down the psychopathy of the people who okay. commit these crimes. And my, my story this week is about a, a, a lovely, tragic victim. Her name was Remy Goyens. And here we go. So sometime before 8 a.m. on December 20th, 2011, 
Remy Goyens' younger brother attempted and failed to get into her apartment all night. But when he returned in the morning, the door was unlocked and ajar. Okay. So he was trying to get in all night, couldn't get in, came back in the morning, door was open. Mm. Uh, there were clear signs of a struggle in the living room of the in the living room of the apartment, with Remy having multiple stab wounds when she was found mm. by her brother. He mm. called. Also, the audio was on the show. He's crying and you know calling for help for his sister. Calling the it was the the, the, the nine one one call. Oh man, yeah, yeah, real sad. And it's, it's his sister, you know. Mm. Uh, her throat was slit and she had suffered Jesus. blunt force trauma to the head. So at the time of the incident, Remy Goyens had been living with Antoine Bynum, their younger daughter. And her brother at a condominium in Orlando, Florida. Okay. Uh, she met Antoine while attending the now closed Wymore Technical School in Eatonville, Florida. So for the previous 15 years, they had been in an oh, that's a long ass time. For the previous 15 years, they had been in an on again, off again relationship. But they finally, you know, kind of put some roots down with their child and were living together with that's her good. brother. That's good. Yeah, you got you got to grow up at some point. Yeah, that's, that's what time. I told. I was what I told you, man. I think the boy meets world concept. That's a TV show, man. Mm-hmm. You should not start dating somebody at thirteen years old and try to ride it out. You just become from thirteen to twenty three. You're such a different person, man. And don't factor in like mental health problems or trials and tribulations and yeah. struggles. It's a lot of on and off, though. If like in that, like that in that in that space, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, college or yeah, yeah. move away and all that stuff. You just stay yeah, in you touch. Grow, you just growing up. You just you're getting older. You meet new people, yeah. and stuff like that. But I think it's good to be able to do that unencumbered or without like a person that's like, well, this is always the this is the one. Yeah. But so you don't feel nasty or like you're cheating or doing something deceitful. Like mm-hmm. to just feel like I'm gonna go learn people and date people and know what I like and what I don't like. Yeah. Because that kind of stuff opens your eyes. Because you might go. I'm I'm with this person because we've been together so long, but maybe they don't they don't do stuff that that you like. Yeah. Maybe they have or they do stuff that you don't like. Like you don't know because you haven't experienced enough. Right. So that's that's just always my only recommendation. Because 15 years on and on and off, and they this was 30, he was 32 years old in 2011. So he'd been seeing this girl since he was like 16 years old. Man, yeah, that's a long time. So Antoine wanted to marry Remy in 2012, according to a close friend. To the situation mm-hmm. So like a, maybe a mutual friend Between the two of them Or maybe one of his friends Yeah Had some insider knowledge That he had thoughts Of marrying Remy In the late night Of December 20th Presumably after Remy's Little brother Had spent the whole night Frantically banging On their apartment door Antoine was getting Arrested After walking into A gas station And locking himself Behind the secure Checkout counter And acting erratically So there's footage uh, From a, like a 7-Eleven Or some kind of Quick trip mm-hmm. He walks into the Gas station But it's a gas station That has the The cash The the um the countertop Where you cash out Is in a glass Plexiglass thing okay. So you open the door And you can close the door And be behind The cash register And the lady It was late at night So the lady was like Out Mopping or something yeah. He walks in Mumbling stuff about I know what y'all did I saw what y'all did to me oh. He comes in Goes behind the counter And closes the security Plexiglass door And the lady's like Get from behind there yeah, He's yeah. still mumbling And stuff to himself And she called the police And they came deep Like four or five cops Came And they they arrested him They apprehended him Without much of a struggle okay. And um and yeah They brought him in When they arrested him He had several scratch marks And other injuries On his body at the time Once the police Learned of Remy's murder Antoine clearly became the number one suspect, but it didn't take long for him to begin running his mouth. Antoine immediately told the police that he murdered his girlfriend and the mother of his daughter while she was watching TV in their apartment. Mm. And he also was rambling things about, you know, she was playing with me. I could have been the next Michael Jordan. Like, 
Um, I was a basketball star, a football star, and she kept playing around with me and not committing and all these things. And she basically, he blamed her for derailing his dreams and his hopes and his aspirations because in his words, he could have been the next Michael Jordan. He was mm, 5'10", 5'11". Oh, that's not happening. Not even close. And for many reasons, besides (laughs) his height. You know, that shit could have happened since after high school. Yeah. Resentment. Yeah. You resent people. Here's the thing, man, like, when you don't accomplish your dreams and you have any, it, I think that this is if, if, you, if you are not well. Mm. If you can point to any reason that could take away onus from you. Yeah. You go, I kept worrying about this girl and she yeah. didn't want me. She wanted me to go to a college in the state. And any, if there was any, even she might even have gone, we should go to the same college. But then you failed all your classes, didn't go to any college. But that in the back of your mind, you go, well, I only failed because I was so focused on getting into college in the state that it yeah. took me to. All it takes is some ability to take away onus off of you and put the responsibility on somebody else, and that's how resent- it can, resentment can build that quickly. Yeah. And you could be completely in the wrong. You might have made this whole thing up in your mind. So he has always resentment to her because she de- she stopped him in whatever way in his mind. She stopped him from becoming Michael Jordan, which is like Michael Jordan. That's you want to talk about resentment? If you if you feel like you stopped me from being a millionaire. Cause I love you or whatever, and now you're playing with me. Like you don't. Yeah. You now you're telling me you want to break up. Whatever. I gave up being Michael Jordan for you. That's Michael Jordan. <laughs> that's crazy. Again, is that's that's insane. But that's resentment. Like what year the, was this? 2011. So that's not even a good. I mean, like LeBron, Kobe, like what we, Michael Jordan. If he would have said, you know, she she ruined my chances. Actually, only real quick. I was he was 32 in 2011, so he was probably like. 17 in 1996 he was he was a basketball kid at the peak michael jordan era like three rings mike so go ahead so but i'm saying like if he was to say you know she ruined my chances of becoming a nba player nba player okay just a role player that sounds more real yeah then you being (laughs) the biggest i could have been the biggest basketball player in the league ever that's I could have been the I could have been the best basketball player in NBA history. Yeah, one of the best ever. That's where you go as a detective. I go like, yeah. okay, oh, this guy's is, delusional. Something is because you could might go. You right. might go. I could have gone to a D two school, something. and you know, I, yeah. I didn't go. I chose not to go because right. we had a friend that. Well, it wasn't because he was dating somebody, but we had a friend that like he was really good at football, mm-hmm. and then he just fell out of love with football, which I respect. Like by your accounts, obviously, I don't, I uh, didn't really know. I, we went to a couple of games, I didn't yeah. know, but by your accounts, he was really good at football. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about now? No, no, I did. Okay. I, I know exactly. <laughs> okay, but like he gave up that. Yeah, yeah. And whether he, but if he would have gone, if he had some reason years down the line where it's like I could have gotten a full ride scholarship to a college, but this girl, something, something, something. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing. That's a resentment I can respect. But if he goes, I could have been Barry Sanders. Yeah. You go, all right, man. I mean. He was Barry Sanders, though. He was, <laughs> the, the guy was, he was nice. The kid was nice. He was, he was good. He was <laughs> the, hey, the kid was good. <laughs> <laughs> he was good. Well, and he doesn't hold any resentment. No, for whether no. He, he, no, chose, he, he chose to not do yeah. something, and that's how you got to live with it. Yep. This guy can't be going around being all mad at people. Yeah. You didn't? Michael Jordan? Yeah. That's wild. You're living in a fantasy land. It's not even like he missed an opportunity. The opportunity was never there. But if you think the opportunity is there, who's to tell you that the feelings aren't the same? Yeah. If if I think the opportunity was there and I didn't get it. And it didn't get Exactly. It's the same feeling. Yep. Nobody can tell you, hey, man, you wasn't going to. How do you know? I feel like I I I had a shot. And hey, not getting it feels the same whether the phone call was one call away of you getting the call to go to the draft or if the call was never coming. Well, that's how I feel when I don't win a lottery. 
Yeah, you so damn. If I just would have played, yeah, I'd if I'd have won. won. Yeah, but yeah. I did it. So how do I know? How can I be resentful? Like, oh, look at this guy. He fucking won thirty three million dollars. You didn't even buy a ticket. Yeah. How could you be mad at that person? You didn't even play. Yeah. <laughs> so in the days leading up to the murder, Remy had talked to Antoine. This is all according to Antoine, okay. obviously. Remy had talked to Antoine allegedly about wanting to work things out or wanting to work on their relationship. There is proof in text messages that the couple exchanged back and forth where Antoine was accusing her of playing mind games and he felt like she would constantly flip flop between loving him and wanting to leave him. I do have a question though. Please. The brother that found her, right? Yes. He did live with them. He lived with them, yes. Does he bring up like, did he see any like, you know, indicators? Signs of like fights or anything like that. No, I didn't I didn't hear anything like that. Hmm. Other than like, um it it comes into play from from his defense of what happened, but I would assume the the brother was is aware of some, you know, they were on and off again for fifteen years. I just would hate to have that feeling to to be in the middle of a situation and then you in the back like when you're out or whatever in the back mm-hmm. of your head you go like this, this is can bad. go this yeah. can go wrong mm-hmm. but you wait too long mm-hmm. and it's like you know yeah. that bad thing that you had happens and you mm-hmm. go like you know, I, I saw just, it, I could have stepped yeah. in or gave some advice yeah. but that's the thing about being also you could be wrong you could be like you, exactly want to jump in the middle of something and, like, and then oh, they chew you out yeah because this is our relationship yeah. that's the that's a hard thing man like um, I have, I don't have any first hand experience personally, but um, I remember we got a we got a a letter for not advice I don't want to say, but they kind of were telling us a, a, a listener was sent us in the tales from the hood, or maybe just an advice email I can't remember where they were saying their brother and and his yeah, girlfriend or wife was in a domestic type mm-hmm. of situation, and it's like, well, if you get involved in that, what if they go mind your fucking business? Yeah, even if you see all the signs, it's bad. This could get bad, yeah. but like, you can't make somebody listen to you. So the brother could have seen signs where it's like, I mean, they've been on and off. They, he, they, he saw. He's yeah. her brother. He saw that they, oh, we broke up. We're back together. We got in a fight. I called the police. We're back together. We broke up. He saw that, and he still chose to move in. So it couldn't have been bad. Or he, no, I don't know his situation. It could have been bad enough where he goes, I don't really want to hear them fighting all the it's time, but spot. I need somewhere to live. It's a tough spot. Yeah, yeah. So that's tough. But, you know, he was the first one there, and he found his sister. So that's tragic. Mm. You know, that's, that's a tough one for him for sure. So I, th- I believe that th- this he's he was using the framework of this back and forth of one minute she's in, the other minute she's yeah. out as the resentment for like all the stuff I gave up in the 15 years to be with you. And now I'm, I want to marry you, allegedly, and you're unsure. How dare you be unsure after all the stuff I gave up for you? So this feels like the catalyst for the big fight. Also, this is only one side of the story. Though. It's only one side of the story. Yeah. I want to also make that clear again. Uh, at this point, Remy is uh, deceased, and he's in the interrogation room giving it up. Yeah, he's spinning tails. I'm was the next Michael Jordan. She, one minute she's madly in love with me, and the next minute, you know, she wants to break up. And I was gonna propose, and I had a fat rock, and a, I was gonna give her a ring. He's just giving it up, talking. Just let him talk, because you see a lot in these interrogation videos, like they they get a rapport, and they go, "Hey man, you all right, man? Yeah, man, thanks. You want a soda? I get you a soda. And all that shit. You probably feel kind of dirty coming out of that room, but he they let this guy go, and he was going. I doubt it though. What? They get the they, rest? No, they like. Oh yeah, yeah, done it. Got him. got him. Tricked you. Yeah, stupid. They go, hey man, so we're gonna go play golf? No, you fucking loser yeah. criminal. Yeah. Enjoy jail. <laughs> and they slam the door. Man, I thought we was cool, man. Got me to get my Popeyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicken. <laughs> I thought we was cool. <laughs> so he told the police that on the night of the murder, Remy confronted him about wanting to be treated better by him. This argument was the catalyst for the attack, according to Antoine. Antoine this, said, oh, "It's rough too, by the way. What to like hear a guy that commit this horrible, horrible crime to to be like this is throwing it on her. We have to, yeah. And 
And like like you said, just throwing it on her. Yeah. To mix like with she's mouthing off with me and she it's just, all just fine because of her. Mm-hmm. It's her fault. That's, and you gotta play along. That's, that's a tough spot to be in. But you know, it's your job. So uh Antoine said that she was screaming for help mm-hmm. and urging him to stop, but he couldn't, is what he said. I just like I couldn't stop, like something had overtaken me. And here's where things get it take a turn for the left and what really grabbed me and made me want to tell the story. So Antoine claimed that Remy and her brother put voices in his head and felt that they were trying to trick him through the medium of voodoo. So he said that they were doing voodoo on him and he was trying to get her to confess to doing voodoo the night while he was attacking her. Like he wanted her to say, I, like he's like, I hear these voices in my head and I know you're doing it. Confess to doing it. And she wouldn't. And wow. so he got angry and angry and more violent and he ended up killing her. His reasoning for saying that and claiming that she was the one putting the voices in her head, in his head, was because they're Haitian. And okay. so Haitian people know voodoo yeah. and voodoo is bad, which I've been corrected on in the past and enlightened and learned that voodoo is more of a cultural thing. Is that it's, just Haitian people? It's not. Well, I don't know about that. I think it's like it definitely is derived from Haiti yeah. and that culture. But it's movies have made it like evil where voodoo might just be medicine or just, you know, um, like ceremonial things that people do. It doesn't necessarily like I'm going to shrink your head or I'm going to do this. Rub pins and little dolls. Yeah, that kind of that's movie stuff. Voodoo is much broader than that. I'm sure there are aspects of voodoo that you can say where that came from. Like you could say the movies got it from somewhere, but it's much broader than like this evil thing that's done. It's like it could be used to do bad things, but it's not a bad thing. It's just like a a spiritual practice. So uh, later on, after his confession of sorts in the interrogation room, a friend named Charlie Marcone uh, Marcone said that Antoine had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and dealt with seizures at times. Um, he had been he had been admitted to a local psych- psychiatric facility in the past, and sometimes had trouble recognizing his own loved ones. Wow! So this guy was this guy was swimming in some real mental health issues yeah. and undiagnosed, or well, well, I guess diagnosed, but probably untreated. Let me say that. So diagnosed according to his friend, but probably untreated. He probably wasn't regular on his medication, which is crucial. It's crucial when you so have things you're dealing with. You have I to do, be regular on yeah, your medication. I always had a question as far as like when people get diagnosed with schizophrenia and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Similar to those type of things, like what is it? Is it like a? Is it like a cancer? Is it just like it won't you go? Just, you what? just have you just like because cancer you just like you can treat I just, it. No, I mean oh. like I went to the doctors and I just I have cancer. Oh, like you can you just develop it? Yes, it's like this. Oh, I don't know. Go through something for you to get schizophrenia. Like what? That's a good question. Like like not this. Obviously, it's not literally what I mean, but like, can right. you catch schizophrenia? Exactly. That I don't. I mean, I don't know. I would assume like your your mental your your. Family history plays a role, and maybe something could spark it. Maybe it was the 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 through line was always there, and then some kind of moment might have awoken it or something. That right. we're all this is all speculation, right. obviously. Right. Or but, just like it's like something just went wrong in the brain, or like yeah, just, but it wasn't there. Maybe it wasn't there right. when you were six, exactly. and then it kicked in when you were fifteen yeah. or something always, like that. I, I, I think about that. I'd love to like, know that too. If anybody has an article on that about the spe- specifically that about. Are you born schizophrenic? Does it kick in? Obviously, I'm sure family history plays a role. Like if your grandfather was schizophrenic, maybe yeah. you, maybe you're always schizophrenic and you don't you don't realize. It. You're like everybody kind of hears a voice. Yeah, because I I hear that. That's this debate has been getting kicked up so much more over the last couple of years about your inner voice. Mm-hmm. People, you're a person that doesn't have that, and now it's becoming like a club. People, I see it on TikTok. People are like, I have an inner voice. Do you, so you don't have an inner voice, and yeah. people are almost like using it like 
you weird. You're, yeah, like you're 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 not cool if you yeah. don't have a a voice in your head. And I'm a person who does. So it's like maybe when you're six to ten, you're just like everybody kind of just hears this, or that's just how everybody's yeah. brain works. And maybe something it might get bad enough that you go. No, this feels like not everybody goes through this. And then you go and get diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you always have it or maybe it's always there and it gets it louder. Like levels, right, right, exactly. Yeah, levels yeah. Levels to yeah. it where like everybody has it at like a one. Yeah. But then like it's bad Some people, it's like eight and ten. It's like that's when it's like. We need to be on medicine. Intense and so, yeah. Yeah, we need to. Yeah. Always wanted to know that. I, yeah. So I yeah. people, please uh, tag us in some some um, Facebook articles and things like. Well, not Facebook articles. Send us articles from, um, you know credible sources yes. and you can tag us on facebook i don't want to don't try to explain schizophrenia to me in a meme that'd be great but schizophrenia be like i'm, like, I'm not going to read this so don't don't send it to me if you have an article i'll read it don't send me a picture with words on it yeah thanks so um antoine was also no stranger to brushes with the law and had a criminal history he had been arrested for driving under the influence drug possession driving with a suspended license, and spent almost three years in prison for a convenience store robbery. His mother, in, a, in an attempt to advocate for her son, which obviously is his mother, uh, was very adamant that he didn't rob the store, had delusions while in prison, and was on medication. So basically she was saying he was in prison for something that he didn't do. His schizophrenic tendencies or issues were flaring up or starting to come to the surface while he was in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Mm -hmm. She was very adamant about that. And uh, that, and he was also on medication for his bipolar and schizophrenic issues. Okay. But she was very adamant that like he did not rob that store. But like it's his mom. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. Antoine admitted to having sex with Remy's body after killing her that night. Come on. And there's some controversy. Like that's what I like about signs of a psychopath is they have, Experts come on mm. and they watch the interrogation footage and they go, he, I feel like he's pretending to be mentally unwell because he's doing a lot of things mm. to try to convince them yeah. that he's crazy, okay. quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Like they'll be like, like he's shaking and doing things that visibly he wants you to notice like, oh, that's, that's weird body language. Yeah. Or one of the big things that they brought up is during his interrogation, he said, all of a sudden I started hearing voices and I think it was because of them. And the guy was saying, the reason I find that odd is that I would be more likely to believe somebwho wasn't so quick to volunteer that information. Gotcha. Like, oh, yeah, I just wasn't in my right headspace. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't there. I heard voices. Something took over me. Anybody that's ready to just quick to jump quick, out with that yeah, yeah. is like, I want you to believe this, yeah. that it wasn't my fault. Yeah. So if, if you elicit that information from them through talking... That's different than like, hey man, I did it, but I was I, I had voices in my head. Yeah. The the expert, he was like a, a psychopathy expert, and he said, That makes me feel like when you volunteer that information so quickly, it feels like you want the detectives to to write you off as crazy quickly. Yeah. And that feels like a choice. Wow. So and it was hard to tell. Cause you go watch the footage of him when he goes into the gas station, and you're like, why is he in this gas station? acting erratic and all this stuff and then you find out he committed a murder and you go well if you caught him speeding but they didn't catch him fleeing the state with luggage in the backseat yeah, of the car yeah. he went to a gas station down the street and just started acting insane yeah so it's almost like adds mm. to this guy wasn't in his right mind yeah yeah so so it's, it's kind of honestly it's kind of hard to tell if he really was not you know, in his right state of mind, or if it was all a choice to be like, I'm going to go down the street and act 
act crazy and get arrested and then claim insanity. Yeah, that's interesting. But in the foot, interesting enough also, because, you know, people, uh, producers of shows can manipulate footage. Yeah. When he goes into the gas station and goes behind the door, he looks up at the camera. So it makes you think like, was he conscious of like, there's a camera here. Let me put on a show and get the police. I was just about to say that. This is all a thing to make him look crazy. Yeah. So he can get off for like, you know, Mm. criminal insanity or what is that? Yeah. Criminal insanity. Wow. So when he was asked if he killed Remy, he said, I believe so. If I did, I'm sorry for it. It was a big mistake. There wasn't nobody there to help me at the moment. So very selfish, narcissist, delusion of grandeur, delusions of grandeur. And he was saying in that moment, I needed help. Nobody was there to help me. And I couldn't I couldn't stop. So if you pay attention to the things he said when he said, you know, she was asking me to stop, but I couldn't. Yeah. I needed help. It was about me, me, my mind. I, I couldn't stop myself. They put thoughts in my head. It was never. So even to say sorry in that is almost like uh, hilarious because mm. you're not sorry. Clearly, you're only thinking about yourself and how you were affected by this. Right. So there's that. Uh, Antoine was eventually found guilty of second degree murder. And in August of 2016, he was sentenced to life in prison. He remains incarcerated uh, at the Florida State Prison in Rayford, Florida. Um. Uh, rest wow. yeah, yeah, rest in peace to Remy Goyans, man. It's really tough. Like I've mentioned this before, another episodes where I, I've I've done little dives into the mental health crisis, which is a plague on this country. Um, the statistics on you know homelessness and like the the Venn diagram of homelessness and uh, mental health, undiagnosed mental health, is scary. There's so yeah. many people who are not getting the help that they need, and that's why they're in the situation that they're in. So. You know, you use Baltimore as a template for, you know, the type of homeless people that we see. And you see people muttering to themselves and holding signs and walking, stumbling around the streets. And you go, oh, man, I don't want to cross paths with that person. But, like, that person needs to be in a facility. It needs to be help. They need help. They need to be regulated, put on medication. And instead, they're just left to their own devices. And it makes me so fucking sad because it's so cold right now. We got hit with it. It's real. I know. I remember probably like last week or two weeks ago. I feel like we were talking about it's like fifty. Yeah, January's been nice. It's January now. January is absolutely Januarying, and here in Baltimore and probably in other metropolitan cities. But obviously, we live here, so we know it's like we'll hear stories about um, an uptick in burn victims in emergency rooms because homeless people will be sleeping on heated grates and stuff like that. And it's like the 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 concept of somebody being scared, cold alone and also unwell like hearing things can't really regulate not being homeless is sad enough if you are in the right mind state of mind to really be conscious of like damn man it's what am i gonna do tonight but to be lost and like scared and confused and in a state of just you know delirium constantly and you have to battle the elements of being a homeless person it's fucking tough man and so I, I really do have a strong level of empathy for the mental health crisis in this country because I feel like if people deserve proper access to the medication that they need to be able to function. Yeah. You know, how can you expect, how can you tell somebody that's homeless, go get a job and they are bipolar, severely bipolar or, you know, have are schizophrenic or, you know, depression and they don't have any medication to regulate this. And it's so severe that they lost everything that they have. And you are out there. That's why I just like, if I don't have anything to give to a person, I I have no um, 
negative words. I haven't. I, I I I empathize for you. I empathize with you, but I just don't have anything to give you. Yeah. But the idea that you like get a job, bum. I mean, you just yeah. don't know anything that that person's going through. Spraying him with water too is like. What's happening? You know, you see those videos when like it was a God, guy. God, no. Are you serious? Spraying, uh, in the cold? I don't know if it was cold. I don't, I don't think it was here. Either way, but that's, if it's. Like spraying it with water, water hose, like get out of here. Oh, I'm that's, like, no, that's, that's sick. That's gross, man. That's sick. It's a, we live in such a cold fucking world, man. That's, I didn't know. I didn't know videos. Yeah, man. Like, that's, that's, I mean, but we've done stories about people that are killing homeless people because they're like, you're making my building look bad. Yeah. You're bringing down my pop, my property value. So yeah, I, I want to also just reiterate, rest in peace to Remy Goyans. But um, Antoine Bynum is a sick guy in many ways. Um, and I don't want to use him as like the example, but obviously there are people who deal with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and aren't murderers. Yeah. To, but they struggle just the same. And those people need help. And there are tons of them on the street. So I don't know what legislation needs to be put in place, yeah. what voting we need to do. But you also know, Also your living situation could be... You know, a big part of it. Like, if you got people surrounding that love you and they can help you. Yes. And, and regulate you yeah. and help you. Yes, you need you need a support system. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that could come in the form of a clinic or some kind of, you know, resource center. That's what we need, a place where people can go and not just like a soup kitchen, which I think are, soup kitchens are great. But what other resources do these people need other than food? Food is great. Hats are great. I try to give some beanies out when I can. But I can't make you not hear things or I can't make you not I can't make your mood balanced you know I can't do that for you I, I can offer you five dollars to go get a soup but I can't give you five dollars and you go to the fucking Medicare yeah man who knows how much Prozac costs I don't know how much it costs I'm fortunate enough that I have insurance right. but if you need to pay out of pocket for your medication I'm sure it costs a lot of fucking money so it's tough man it's a tough spot to be in so just a little food for thought. Rest, uh, rest in peace, Remy Goyans, one more time. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's Fran's turn to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Welcome back. It's my turn to go. My affirmative murder this week is about the lynching of Anthony Crawford. Mm. Anthony Crawford was born in the early Reconstruction era, which was the time... Uh, period after the uh, Civil War. Yes. Crawford's father became the owner of a modest acreage of cotton fields on the Little River, about seven miles west of Abbeville, which is in South Carolina. Anthony was an ambitious and literate child who routinely walked seven miles to school in Abbeville. Mm. Seven miles to school. Seven miles. I won't be going to school. No. Seven miles? Seven miles. You got to leave out two hours early? Two. Seven My miles. pace? <laughs> two miles? Taking yeah, shit on the way there. Ooh, Bert. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm a kid. Yeah, you're a kid? Right. So Crawford inherited the land on his father's death, which he increased by substantial land purchases in 1883, 1888, oh. 1899, and in 1903. A hustler. So he was just like, I'm building, I'm getting this everything. I'm building this thing. I'm getting everything. Right. Compound. In the mid or late 1890s, Crawford was co-founder of the Industrial Union of Abbeville County, which was devoted to the material, moral, intellectual advance, advance of colored people. He was the father of 12 sons and four daughters. He's popping them out like that back then? Busy guy. He's popping them out like that? Yeah, I mean, they didn't have birth control, and if you were Catholic Man. or whatever, you know, you 
just have kids. That's what you do. It's a lot of kids. Man. Need help. I mean, but he's scouts get money. Getting bread. All of us, you know, has pretty wealthy a little Left bit. Left him a little him. bit. And this is like it's also how, how impressive this is because after Reconstruction, where some this was this was Reconstruction era laid the foundation for Jim Crow. Yeah. So basically, it was like all these slaves are free. But we don't have anything for you to do. Yeah. So they came with loitering laws and these things. So if they had, they would find like freed slaves sitting around. Mm-hmm. They lock you up for loitering, all these other bullshit laws, put you on a chain gang, and now you're a slave again. Yeah. By 1916, his land holdings had expanded to 427 acres. Mm. Many of Crawford's children had settled on plots adjoining that of their father. So that's beautiful. It was so big, it was just like, I'm gonna build a house here. Y'all can just. We all live on this land. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. With a net worth of approximately 20000 20, to 25000 in 1916. That's bread. That is about 680000 today. Ooh. That's a nice little chunk of money to be sitting on. Yeah, man. And it's still coming in? Yes. That's a nice nest egg. Yes. So, I mean, dude, he was good. Well off. Well, good. Off. well good. off. Well off. Crawford was without a doubt one of the richest men in Abbeville County. Mm. Now, this is the African-American. Definitely man. black man. Yes. So Crawford was also known for his refusal to tolerate disrespect or defiance in any form. Mm. Once, when his church's preacher delivered a sermon decrying Crawford's meddling in church affairs, Crawford jumped out of his seat, struck the man, and the pre- fired him on the spot. The preacher. The preacher. Damn. So, man, stop interrupting my, <laughs> stop interrupting my, my, my preachers, man. And he got upset. I don't tolerate disrespect. Yeah. Black or white, I don't yeah. care who you are. You don't what you're not going to do is talk to me any kind of way. Right. This guy's intense. This extended even to whites. The day a white man hits me is the day I die. Mm. He was quoted as having said, said this to his children. Mm. He meant that. Oh, yeah. On October 21st, 1916, Crawford was taking two loads of cotton and a load of seed into Abbeville and had a disagreement over the price of cottonseed with W.D. Bergsdale. Now, <laughs> this, guy was, this guy was a store owner. That's a name. These names. This is not the, first, this is not the only name. Mm-hmm. I need to know why. I think this is before they figured out, like, it only really works with a J. That's the only way it really works. I don't know any other initial names that work without a J. I the second know. letter has to be a J. It can't be. What was it? WD. WD. Like it's 40, a lot of those like names the, that come up in this story. I go like, what? Why was it? Why is that so popular? Yeah, and that's it's hard to say is, too. Hey, WD. WD Bergsdale. Yeah. So just William, whatever your name is. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So he had a agree, agreement with the the store owner, uh, a white store owner, by the way, WD Bergsdale. Uh, mm-hmm. After Crawford left the store, okay, and they had an argument. He leaves the store. One of Bergsdale's employees followed him outside and hit him in the head. With the handle of an axe. Oh. Yep. Crawford called for help, which drew the attention of Sheriff R.M. Burtz. Why? <laughs> Sheriff R.M. Burtz. The officer arrested Crawford, but they think it was most likely be to protect Him. Mr. Crawford. Yeah. It was getting out of hand. Yeah. Um, as a mob of angry whites mm-hmm. was already beginning to accumulate. Yeah. So Crawford was held at the jail briefly and released later that day on $15 bail. Got that. You got that for days. Easy. Like, while Crawford was arranging bail, Bergsdale was organizing a mob with McKinney Can. That's his name, McKinney Can. McKinney Can to whip Crawford, whip and 
cure him if possible. Cure him? Yeah. Yep. Like of what? Of his insubordinates? I would. I of guess. talking back? Talking back to Weiss? Yeah, man. This is the reconstruct. This is like a lot of these guys too. Who probably. dare you? Yeah. We didn't even want you to be free. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a tough time to be. That's scary. To, it's This is post-Civil War. Post-Civil so War. So there's no laws no. in place that say you are a slave anymore but the mentality is far from it's it's never gone away really yes. there are people who are like you guys should be slaves in 2023 there are people that still feel yeah. that way so this is post when you really could like you used to work for me yeah that's a weird way to put it but like yeah, yeah. you used to be my slave yeah and so now you're talking back to me yeah and if you have morals don't take shit from nobody it's like oh yeah and you got money how do you and you have money and you're black and it's like how do you how do you move on a day-to-day basis in life when it's like okay well I don't like people talking shit. I don't like people no. talking down on me. And I'm a boss. And I'm a boss. And I'm wealthy. Yeah. But I'm supposed to not act. I'm supposed to act like a peasant and weak exactly. and meek and bow to you at this because you're white. Exactly. Yep. That's 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 tough. That's, that's a tough, tough spot to be in, man. Because if you call me boy and I got a car outside, whatever, the, you know, yeah. a fucking a Ford, you know, you pull in one of those. It's like, wait, you have a car? If I got a car? Clean, too. Clean. And I'm supposed to get out of my car and take my hat off and be like, hey, hey boss, can yeah. I, man, no, if you don't put that. some gas in my car, no, man, shine the tires. Throw money at him and shit. <laughs> so Sheriff Burtz also, uh, I'm sorry, allowed Crawford to exit from the side door. So, I mean, he was kind of looking out for, mm-hmm. for, for bro. He's like, hey, just got, this is going to get ugly. It's getting bad. Go out the side door. But the mob saw him anyway, mm. pursued him into a, into a cotton mill nearby where Crawford took shelter in the boiler room. Mm. McKinney can entered the boiler room after Crawford and Crawford grabbing a hammer, a hammer from some nearby tools, knocked the man unconscious. Oh, now he's like a wild Negro. Like he's killed. This is what they've been waiting to be afraid of. Oh yes. Yeah. He, he hit you with a hammer. Yeah. Oh, he's got to die. We have yep. to kill him. Mm. Although the mill workers attempted to stop it. Crawford was stabbed and severely beaten. by mm. the mob. Sheriff R.M. Burtz, appeared and arrested Crawford once more, much to the dissatisfaction of, of the mob of whites. The sheriff could only get Crawford away from the mob by promising to the brothers of Can that he would not try to sneak Crawford out of town mm. before the full extent of McKinney Can's injuries was known. So in case oh, if he dies? So if, if he dies, like... Because they was like, all right, man, you... You got him. You got him away from us the first time. Mm-hmm. But now he hurt one of us. Now he hurt. So now it's like, okay, well, don't don't especially don't if, get him they, out of here. Especially if they feel like you trying to do this guy a favor, trying to save his life. Like, no, yeah. no. are you a mm lover? Yep. You better not be a mm lover because they'll burn his house down. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll be done. Yeah. Ken was not badly hurt. Again, that's the one he knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. Ken was not badly hurt, although Crawford was. He was treated he got by stabbed. Yeah, he was stabbed and beaten. He was treated by a physician. C.C. Gamble, who also happened to be the mayor of Abbeville. He was the Those mayor and the doctor? crazy, man. Like C.C. Gamble. C.C. Gamble was the mayor, and he was a physician. And then he went on to start C.C.'s Pizza, Did one he? of the oldest pizza chains right. in, the Amer- in the United States. Right. Gamble announced that Crawford would likely die from his wounds. I mean, because he was that bad or because you didn't want to help him? Yeah. Like, you know, There's nothing know. I can do for him. Yeah. Considering that Crawford might die before the mob could get him, the concern that the sheriff might spirit him out of town at 3, at 3 p.m., around 200 white men besieged the jail, mm. captured and disarmed Sheriff Burtz. 
He was like, man, we on to you. Yeah. You're doing too much. Enough of this. Yeah. And abducted Crawford. Mm. Crawford was dragged down three flights of stairs amongst a cheering, bloodthirsty mob, where they proceeded to beat him with rocks, wagon boards, jump, and spit on him. The mob then dragged him through the black section of the town with rope and his neck as a rope around his neck as a warning. The mob then stole a lumber wagon from a black driver and used it to take Crawford to the fairground nearby. Mm. Crawford likely did at, at that point. He was still hung from a tree. And armed whites riddled his body with bullets. Just hung him up and used him as a target price. Yeah, man. Mm. Rendering it to a blood a bloody pulp oh, the, by oh. the bloodthirsty white mob that resented his wealth. Mm. So you disrespected a white store owner. Yeah. You hit a guy with a hammer. Hit a guy with a, one of their own, knocked him out. Mm-hmm. At that point, they probably, he, he probably killed him. Yeah. And yeah. you wealthy? The rumor got around. If this guy's in the hospital, they're like, yeah, you know he died. Yeah. And you, ha- and you wealthy? Mm. Nah, man. We, you've done enough. The paper's headline the next day read, Negro strung up and shot to pieces. Mm. After dark, the county coroner, FWR Nance, assembled FWR. Yeah, FWR Nance assembled a jury which he knowingly included two members of the lynch mob, one being his grandson to the fairground to cut down Crawford's mutilated remains. Mm. Nance reported his foundings as Crawford had died at the hands of parties unknown. Wow. Gotta make it official. Yeah. That night, the relentless mob decided they needed to drive Crawford's children and their families from the area. A white businessman, Jack Perrin, J. Allen Smith, and J.S. Stark, worrying about the economic effect of, a, of such decision, opposed these decisions and was not able to convince the, the uh, angry mob. They had a meeting the following Monday so they can decide what to do with the Crawford's family. Got it. So, so this guy was saying like they have land and money. They have land and money, and so we 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 don't want them to leave because they are a big part of the economy. Is that what he's saying? Get well. Also, it's like well, I'm, 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 it's, oh, it good, goes good, into good. it more here. So they had the meeting to decide what they was going to do with the Crawford family. Mm-hmm. On October twenty third, nineteen sixteen, the white citizens of Abbeville, including many members of the lynch mob, vetoed to expel the remainder of Crawford's family from South Carolina and to seize their considerable property holdings. They also vetoed to close down all the black-owned businesses in Abbeville, right? Mm-hmm. The Crawfords requested they be given until the, to, uh, the 15th of November, and it was granted, and they were to leave by mid-November. And just vacate their they, land. Yep, they did and did leave, leaving behind their family's generational assets. Mm. By closing all those businesses... So they didn't... They, they, they they vetoed. Well, because because the the businessman was like, no, we shouldn't do this because the economic effect of like these the black people. They vetoed him. Yes. So they said we will close these businesses. Yeah. Oh wow. To get them out. Got it. And also, it's going to drive other black people out. So it's like now people are not working. People yeah. Are not working there for them because I'm sure people were still working for these white men's whatever business yeah, they had. Yeah, for sure. They're driving them out. Come they, work for us for less. Right. Mm-hmm. Driving them out. So it's just all. I'm guessing it's all. So it's all white neighborhood or yes. county whatever mm-hmm. and. This family's assets. Gone. 450 acres or gone. something like that, right? It's gone. Just You have to just go, give us some time to leave so you don't kill us. And you're not selling it. or any, You're just leaving it. You're just leaving it. And then somebody can just come and go, it's mine now. Or buy it from the buy, state buy or Buy from the state for like, 
I'm going to get into that. That's, that. That comes up as well. But this is why I did the story because, like, it wasn't a lynching. It was the generational wealth that was ruined by black people because people were killed. Yeah. And, and this isn't an uncommon story. Right. People were killed, and then it was just like. And then the residual fear. Yes. And now, now a business or a land is here mm-hmm. that we can just buy from the state or for the nothing. county. For nothing. For pennies on a dollar. Mm-hmm. And this is also the origin. Which I feel like we've talked about this before because we kind of come to so much when we do these, these stories. Is like. This is the origin of like, oh, there's a so many towns, but like a town in Oklahoma or a town in Oregon where you go, yeah, there's like no black people live here. If you trace a town like that, yeah. you can find a, a pinpoint of a, 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 an event in time where you go, oh, yeah, all the black people were like driven out of here yeah. by some violent thing, like yeah. burned all their houses down. They go, and now it's 2023, and they go, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Like black people just don't live here. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, a, whole, that's a whole generational conversation. <laughs> right. They don't live here by design. It's not a coincidence. So I guess black people don't like mountains. No. That's not, that's not <laughs> South Carolina governor Richard Irvin Manning III was quick to, de- to denounce the murder. He ordered a full investigation of the crime by both Sheriff Burtz and state um, solicitor Robert Archer Cooper, exhorting them to hand down indictments of the mob participants. The unidentified let's see, mob. Let's see, let's see how they go. Mm, yeah. Many Abbeville residents were held and questioned and result and resulted in several men being charged. Man, these names. J.V. Elgin, Sam Adams, Eugene Nance, B. Grant, Sam Aiken, mm-hmm. R. Burt Ferguson. I'm reading these names because I mean, like, this shit is history. People you need to know. Yeah, you got to know these people. people yeah. Know. George White Jr., mm-hmm. J.A. Brock. W.D. Bell, M.R. Casey, Will Can, Jeff Can, Sam Can, Lester Can, mm, all brothers. brothers. Yep. Jim Dawson, John T. Cheatham, Erwin Ferguson, and J.S. Banks. Mm. Well, Charged. Yes. Mm-hmm. While out on bail and awaiting trial, mm-hmm. an article purportedly written by members of the lynch mob themselves was published in the um, Abbeville Cemetery. It says, we are all responsible for the conditions that caused Crawford's death. Those involved might have gone too far, but they are white men and Crawford was black. Oh, wow. The black must submit to the white or the white will destroy. Mm. There were several hundred who participated in this lynching and nearly all of the and, and nearly all the others were well-wishers. Therefore, to pick out a few satisfying Therefore, to pick out a few to satisfy a newly imported mawkish sentiment mm. is pitiful and cowardly. Wow. Men of Abbeville, the eyes of all white men are upon you. That's a threat. Acquit yourself as, a, as white men. The conditions made by us all, they put that in caps, us uh, yeah. all, mm-hmm. make us all responsible. So let's not ask only eight to shoulder the whole burden. Mm-hmm. Answer a mawkish sentiment generated by hypocrisy and craven fear with the raging verdict, mm. not guilty. Yeah. That's a call to violence. So whether or not this document was genuine is open to question. The publisher of Scimitar, William P. Bullmoose Beard, that's his name, Damn. was a white supremacist. Sure. Beard and his editorials in the Scimitar openly ridiculed Governor Manning's attempts to bring any members of the mob to trial writing that Crawford's murder was inevitable and racially justified. 
Racially justified. Wow. Other newspapers in the area took a different tone, like the press and banner, which pointed out that by driving away cheap African-American labor, this is what I was talking about, mm-hmm. the lynch mobs were bankrupting South Carolina farmers. Mm. These two facets of the debate were indicative of a growing gap in, in the South, middle, and upper class whites were beginning to disapprove of lynchings. Mm. So it was like... It wasn't favorable anymore. Every, exactly. Bad press. It's starting to hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad press. <laughs> now we got to do more work. People might not come and shop at your business anymore if they think that you were involved in a lynching. Yeah. And we got to do more work. You're driving all the black people out. Oh, oh, that part now too. Now we don't have yeah, any... Who's going to do this? Exactly. Yeah. And the belief that lynch mobs were, a, were an expensive luxury the South could no longer afford was beginning to take That's root. sick. They're like, they're fun. I mean, they're great. We have a great time. Wow. Barbecues and stuff. Crazy. But like, we can't keep doing this. Man. It's costing us money. Crazy. The preliminary trial hearing began December 5th of 1916 with Sheriff Burtz being the first witness in identifying some of the defendants as being connected. Even with the sheriff's testimony, the murder occurring in broad daylight over a period of hours with hundreds of witnesses on February 28th, 1917, the grand jury failed to find any of the white mob guilty of lynching or rioting and were released. No surprise. No, not at all. In this part, this is the part I want to get to. On November 16th, 1928, Crawford's 427 acres of Little River, valued approximately at 20000 was auctioned and was purchased by Colonel T.J. White for $610. Wow. Steel. So, literally. So, you said $20? $610. It? $610. So, let's, let's say that's five grand. Yeah. It was worth 600 and something thousand dollars. Today. Yeah. Today. Let's say it's, let's say he but let's say six hundred dollars right. is five grand. Yeah, he paid a a thirtieth. Like you know what I mean? Like he a, a, such a small fraction of Crazy, what it's worth man. and what it's worth today. If he still owns four hundred and something acres of land, millions of dollars. Millions. And that's what the, and that's my whole point. Yeah, the generational wealth gap. Mm-hmm. It's from moments like this. It's from moments like this. There was just a family that got their land, their beach back. Yeah, yeah, in California. That was stolen from, you know, their just took family. it. Just ran just, you. Just, you could just run you off the land, and just then took it. They can. The crazy part is the idea that somebody can run you off your land and then legally circumvent, like, and now oh, I have a deed, exactly. Like, a, we ran you off, even though you owned it, and yeah. now we, I own it, and I have a deed. Yeah. That, even it's though document, yeah, yeah, that's that's so crazy. Like they use, they can use violence and then use the laws and the infrastructure that they built to make it legal. To where if you wanted to come back. It's legally, you can't go like, well, I, I lived here. It's like, well, do you have a deed? What's a deed? It's just a piece of paper saying I own it. It was like, well, but I lived here and you ran us off. Like, well, yeah, I did do that. My family did do that. But now we own it because this paper that we made up that says it. We made up that this paper matters. It's crazy, man. It's wild, man. And it's like they would really have to go. You would really have to fight. Fight. That family in California, that was decades, right? That was Dig a- deep and go like, oh, yeah, here. We have this. A wrinkly old piece of paper that was burned from two, 150 years ago to prove. It's crazy, man. And like when you hear these stories and you, you know, hear a couple of them, it's like, how much, how much different would it be? Shit. So many families. Wealthy I might, families. I might be wealthy. Shit. Family had some land somewhere. Yeah. And they just took it. They just, just huh, took it and it's like, oh, this is why we struggle. It's one thing this that, is why we struggle. It's one thing they're not making any more of is land. Right. It's the most yeah. it's one of the most like precious commodities you can get is a piece of land. It's because it's you can't make it. You can't right. make more of it. Yep. And so much of it was taken and then 
the legal system made it ratified it to where yes, I used violence to take this from you, but now I own it outright. Yeah, it's nothing you can do Crazy, about it. Man. Even if you have pictures of your family, Christmases, and grown building houses on this land, that, yeah. none of that matters. I have the deed. You know, so that's the, yeah. the story you did a while ago. It was sometime middle of last year that you did. I can't remember the guy's name. Did you Did you ever find it when I called you? I didn't, but I know what you're talking about. He lived in North Carolina. Yeah. He started a bunch of businesses. And he had a business that had was, land and mm-hmm. was killed and was like. The family what? couldn't keep up with the land. Right. And they had to they had to sell at a low price or just move and leave. Because they couldn't leave. they couldn't tend to it. And yeah. then somebody comes and goes, I don't think anybody's doing the, anything it. with this. Yeah. I'll take it. You gotta go down to the city office building and go, I'd like to buy this. Nobody lives on it. And they yeah. go, Oh no, if nobody lives on it, you can have it for six dollars. Crazy. And now it's worth millions. Worth millions. Of dollars. millions. Yeah. Worth millions. Mm-hmm. Um just real quick, uh, this makes me want to do a recommendation. This, this, this is book I've been meaning to um, buy. I remember looking at it a few years back. It's called Without Sanctuary, Lynching Photography in America. I think this is a book that everybody should check out. It's a, it was uh, um, put together and edited by a guy named James Allen. It is a, just a, a powerful compilation of photo- uh, photographs from where they go expensive luxury, where you see these people um, cooking hot dogs and... No, I've looked through it. It's, it's oh, like okay. a, it's a, it's, a, it's a picture book, it a but it has history. It has it's written. Oh, I, I saw it at the library. Oh, okay, but I want to own it. You at the library, so you can rent it. I mean, you can borrow. Oh. It. You can borrow it at the library if it's there. Oh, I, I'm thinking like borrows no. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. It's it's a hard a hardcover book is about 130 dollars. Oh, but it's it's important to see this history. Card? Yeah, it's, it's important to see this history because like this should happen. You, yeah, this, you can't just like pretend this didn't happen and then tell people to move on and get over it and stop living in the past. When you can open up a book and see photographs, yeah. not cave drawings, yeah. not ideas, not making it up. You can see photos of people in shirts and pants that you see people wearing today. Like not this isn't a different time. People weren't wearing Victorian clothes and yeah. sheets, armor, suits of armor and stuff. Yeah. People wearing casual clothes, suits with ties standing in front of bodies that were burned and charred and laughing and kicking rocks or throwing rocks at tomatoes at dead bodies hanging from light poles and cooking hot dogs and taking souvenirs, taking ripping pieces of their clothes yeah. off. And the idea that you can tell somebody like, hey, man, like that, that didn't happen to you. So like, how can you move on? I mean, why don't you just move on and pull yourself up by your bootstraps? And it's like the idea that you can see somebody that looks like you hanging from a tree burned alive and people just laughing and lacking empathy in any kind of way. It really tells you how far a lack of empathy can go. Yeah. And it really makes you, so how can you not feel like everything, if you're in a tough situation, how can you not feel like your whole situation is by design? Yeah. Like it's, it's not just some accident. It's like, no man, everything plays a role in history. Right. You know, it, cha- it, it completely changed, it changes the history, change this family it's, for generations, for generations. And it changes it's a ripple effect of how we live our life today. Shrink yourself. We had this discussion before. Exactly. We were talking about this guy. He's worth half a million dollars, probably well off, has horses or whatever the fuck yeah. you would use to get from A to B. He has all the nice stuff. And they expected him to be like, well, don't show us. Don't be loud about it. Right. Don't drive a nice car. Drive a small. Drive a, be- a worse car than me, even though I have less money than you. Yeah. Bow your head. Don't look me in my eyes, right. even though you're wealthier than me and you're coming to patronize my business. Don't come in here and act like you own the place. Yeah. Act like I'm better than you. You see my skin. Yeah. And the idea that, and we talked about, I think we talked about we this talked with about like this tents stuff? and yeah. just riding around Still in a today, nice car, yes. getting pulled yeah. over in a nice, it's like you're scared to buy a nice car yeah. 
because you don't want to bring attention to yourself yep. and get harassed. That's, that's how I feel also. Generational trauma. Right. That's how I feel also when it's like, I get this weird feeling of, I don't know if you feel like this, when a black African-American goes, you know, I own a business, right? Mm-hmm. They say I own a business. It's always this, I feel like it's always this low, always this this huge congratulations of, Good for you. Yeah, you know, like, like it's impossible. Like, or something. like yeah. it, it, this wasn't a thing yeah. 50, 60, 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was. Yes. Black, they, a lot they, of black people own business. They erased that part and then f- force fed us movies yeah. of people dying and struggling and being slaves. And so they completely negated Black Wall Street and people like this guy yeah. who should be a national hero. We should have a museum full of people who were thriving yes. as black people in this country in the reconstruction era and beyond we should know these people's names but instead it's like well no there's roots and then martin luther king came along and he died yeah and now we're poor and crack happy birthday by the way yes uh, yeah happy birthday mlk man fucking yeah sad but yeah and then so it's like it's almost like the way what's fed to us is like slavery tried a little bit everybody got killed malcolm martin they all died yep crack yep criminals boom bang thieves murder but and it's like there and that tells you like there aren't heights there are no heights to reach so when somebody gets their real estate license or i got on a plane and went to another country people were like damn man how'd you do that the things people said to me when i did that were like how did you yeah how like you can just get a plane you have a passport like it it, we've been shrunk yeah like people have been made to you you have to feel you have to shrink yourself to exist in this country and that's why like the rebut and the fight back against that is like look at my rolex look at my bins like i'm not poor yeah that's why you know we have such a black people have such a strange relationship with money as it stands today is because it's like i just want you to see that i i I made it i matter like see that i'm not struggling even if you are but you don't want people to think you are right so you buy all the costume of like i don't want you to think i'm struggling i'm doing better than you it almost creates this fish in the it's, it's fish in the barrel mentality. Yeah, it's I like, just you know. I, when I see that I go, I feel like because we do this to ourselves, where it's like we also push each other down. Where it's like, look what I have, mm-hmm. I made it, you didn't. That's mm-hmm. why it's like they always go like, yo, go don't go back to your hood and stuff like that when you made it. Because like, because it you kind of going you kind of going like, hey man, look, you know I've I'm doing this. I got and out. Still stuck here. Mm-hmm. And I got out. Look at what I got. Look at my uh, Rolls Royce or whatever. Mm-hmm. And but also it's just like. We go, we we go like okay, we need to be flamboyant and we just show yes. this because we're not supposed to have this. Yes. So I'm, but I'm showing. I want to like, wear it. I want to wear right. it on me. But I want the gold like, oh, on me. Look, yeah. I have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, I worked for this, and you know, and you, you know, I'm not supposed to have this. Yeah. And now, mm-hmm. and at that, if you were comfortable in what you worked for and had, and I don't want to shit on people who yeah, yeah, like yeah. the stunt, right. but I'm just saying like there is an insecurity in stunting. Yes. Where it's like yes. I want if if you felt like oh I how I got this I could do it again. And how I got this is is I it's just hard work. I don't need people to. See, I know I have it. Yeah. If you if the the feeling that like I need people to know I have it yeah. and see that I have it, there's an insecurity in that. Yeah. And that sure. comes from hundreds of years of things that led up to that. Though you weren't even here for was passed down to you, you know, and then comes to you in lessons and stories. Yeah. Hey man, don't you know when you're riding around, don't don't be playing your music too loud and just these things like just hey shrink yourself, stay low, don't be seen, don't make a spectacle because you don't want somebody to take you being loud and flamboyant as like you think you're better than me because that could get you killed. Yeah. Yeah. And even if that's not 
you know, it's being implied yeah. in those kind of warnings. Also being, I don't want to be put into a box as well. I don't want to be categorized as this, I'm this type of person. Yeah. That's why I like, if I get around somebody, I go like, I'm going to turn this down a little bit. Because yeah. I just don't want to be like, I'm typical. Yeah, yeah, of course. Guy. You know, and these are the type of things. That's why I'm, I say yeah. like being black in America is like so tired. I'm exhausted because I'm always like thinking of how I'm going to be perceived. Yep. And I don't. I, I would love to just be able to. And maybe it, 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 we can take. Maybe it's we can take the shackles off in a bit. You know, poor term. You know, use of phrase. But you know, I mean it metaphorically. Obviously, of like, maybe we can just exist more today. But it doesn't feel like it. Maybe it is in my head that I go, oh well, let me just kind of like be a little more smiley in yeah. front of this old white lady, so she doesn't think I want to take her purse. Even though I'm, even though I'm gonna be smiley, and she's still gonna grab her purse a little bit so i go to do the thing to go let me diffuse this and the thing still happens that i was trying to not let happen so it's like well then why the fuck am i doing it anyway right so fuck it let me stop doing that so it's just it's a lot to balance and deal with but while my mind is wandering where do pinatas come from i know that it's like a mexican heritage thing but is that from colonizers is that conquistadors that spanish people came in maybe that comes from a real thing you think maybe some some fucking Mexican rebels who didn't want their land taken saw some Spanish people tie up some Mexican fighters against the you know some resistance fighters and beat them to death. And know. now it came. I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look into that. I'm just yeah. spitballing because I'm like, what is yeah. a when you think about lynching about that, and yeah. pinatas and uh, it feels violent and like where what is what's coming from that like the 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 imagery of a pinata being strung up and the kids jumping around and stuff coming out like you can see some parallels to a lynching in that and i don't know if that that. i don't know i might just be i might just be off the shrooms right now but um (laughs) that i don't know i'm gonna look do some some deep diving into where pinatas come from yeah because that imagery feels like related and close i don't know i don't know where that comes from because you know how you know like where it's like ring around the rosies about the black plague you know what i mean that's like a fun song kids singing whatever but it's like that song's about people millions of people dying so i don't know pinatas i don't know i don't know i got my eye on you pinata uh so 2005 the 109th congress of the united states passed a resolution 39 which was a formal apology to african-americans for congress congress's failure to pass any kind of anti-lynching legislation, despite over 200 anti-lynching bills have, having been introduced to Congress. The resolution was issued before the descendants of Anthony Crawford, among other surviving descendants of lynching victims, and marked the first occasion that Congress had apologized to African Americans for any reason, whereas Congress had in the past apologized to other ethnic, ethnic groups, such as Japanese Americans, for their actions of the United States. Mm-hmm. So, took I'm sorry. Them, took them 60, 60 70 years much, to do something. Yeah. But that was a, that was a story of Anthony Crawford, man. Rest in peace to him. Absolutely. Um, look and, at him. Clean, too. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good portrait. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, rest in peace to Anthony Crawford and so many people like him. Yeah. And families like his who, that's the, that's the head of the house. Yeah, man. That's the, you know. That's the patriarch right there. That's the guy who, you know, his work was supposed to pass down for generations to come. In his mind, every day when he got up and go to work and did the things that he did, it was like, I'm laying the foundation for generations. And then they killed him and took everything Absolutely. he worked he had like, hard for. like 15 kids. Yeah. And they let, he left his family. They left his family destitute and I, stole his land. Not his. He didn't. 
it was inherited to him from his father. Yeah. They took his they took his legacy from him. Yeah. I would love to know what I guess I don't even know. I don't know if they've tried. I don't know. I to don't get know. the land back? To get the land back. I don't know if fighting. I don't know. I don't. Whoever owns that land is like, hey, man, listen. It's probably shipbuilding. I feel now. bad. It's probably like city or something now. It's probably all like corporate, like, you know, it's, you know, business rental properties and shit and business plazas. But, uh, Fran, yeah, great story. Led to a lot of great conversations. Again, that book is Without Sanctuary, The Lynching Photography in America. It was uh, put together by uh, a guy named James Allen and uh, John Lewis. Uh, so, I mean, people should check that out. You know, it's available on Amazon now. I think it's a book that people should, you should see. You can't keep hiding from history, man. It's, that's how history repeats. Um, let's go ahead and get into these good vibes so we can get up out of here. How do you? How are you not in a good mood? Just fucking. This fuck. I'm not going back to the Beach Boys anymore. It's not happening. It's not happening. Yes, that's right, folks. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes. Uh, yeah, uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. It just is what it is. That's the new music at this point. That that lady is singing for her life. Yeah, man. And I'm not going back. It just is what it is. That's that's the new music for the Good Vibes. Hope you guys enjoy it. Why wouldn't you enjoy it? Um, we're here to you know give you guys some good energy and kick things off your, your week off in a, a fun and festive way. And Frank, you got something for the people? Yes, my Good Vibes this week is about. Dennis Collin. Dennis Collin. His name is Dennis Collin. Is it? The research we've done is... Yeah, we've done a lot of... Listen, folks, we took a long break, hours of copious research to, to find out how a name spelled... Go ahead, Frank, give it to him if you can. It's Dennis Collin. It's spelled D-I-E-U-N-E-R-S-T. D- that's Dennis. Yeah. We've seen interviews where he's on the camera and they go, hey, Dennis... And he didn't go, they it's Dynerst yeah. or something, whatever. Yeah. Nope. So his name's Dennis Collins, spelled that way. And this, we were gone for hours. Yes. In between this music playing and our last conversation, so much research. Yes. So Dennis so Collins. Dennis Collins was this kid that was is a, is a very popular meme. Where he was at One of my favorites. Yeah, Popeyes. And he gave the sign. Wearing a yellow shirt. Wearing a yellow shirt with a cup of juice in his hand, and whatever it is. Looking to the side yeah, awkwardly. Cause, like cause at this time, there was Loterio. Was Loterio really icon right now, as well. And they thought he was. They thought I he think was I found Loterio. Yeah. And they go, ooh, kill him. Yeah. And he's like, are they talking to me? Yeah, I don't know. He's the perfect, the perfect face for like, um, what do I do right now? Yeah. It's the best. It's one of my favorite memes of all time. Yes. Hilarious. He was nine years old when this happened. He's, for life now. He's he signed an NIL deal with Popeyes, which is name, image, and likeness deal. Nice. With Popeyes. Uh imagine getting the bag. I don't know how much it is. I don't know the details. But yeah, well, I hope a, it's something. A, a, a nice little bag. You know, 10, 15 years later. Yeah. A ma- thankful it paid off in some kind of way, and I'm not just the guy people are laughing at for the rest of yes. my life. It better turn to some money. Yes, he has a billboard now. It says Ooh. from memes to dreams. Oh, I like that. I think that's dope. No, I like that. I think that's, I think that's super dope. I like uh, that. So it says that apart from his NIL sponsorship. Is he eating a piece of chicken? No, nah, nah, he's not. Okay. He's not. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Colin will promote the restaurant and appear on a billboard in his hometown of state of New Jersey mm-hmm. per ESPN. It's unclear how long the deal will last um, and exactly how much Colin will make from it. You know, we, it's probably something 
It's not probably nothing crazy. No, they, no you know, a couple think, little throw him a couple. Big, he's not. He's at no. a big Division One college. Yeah, um, it's just something fun. It's a yes. fun story. It, yeah. it did what it was supposed to do. It went viral. People are talking about it. it it's a, it's a feel. It, like it worked. Popeyes got their money back. Yes. Yeah. Colin credited a Monday Instagram post from Sports Center for his idea to tag the restaurant chain in the hopes of profiting off the NCAA's new rule of athlete compensation, which I think which is, is great. Long great overdue. Idea. Long overdue. Finally, they had to. They really didn't have no choice. Yeah. Um. To do that, and I th- shout out to shout out to Dennis. Yeah, for being a hustler, Colin, for being a hustler and. Hey, I can probably let me see if I can turn this into something. Turn this into something. I mean, I wouldn't know he was in a Popeyes unless you told me. That's that's not something yeah. I notice if it's a cup Popeyes cup in his hand or something. I don't know. I, I just know the face. Yes, but uh, if he was in a Popeyes, that's great. Well, Make, the picture it's not like a uh, he doesn't have a Popeyes cup in his hand. Yeah, if he does, that's great marketing. I just never noticed. Is it a clearly visible oh, Popeyes cup? Clearly, no. Yeah, but if they say it's a Popeyes, then great. Yeah, so cool. I, I just hope I don't want him. But shout out to him. He just won like a national championship. Or great, something like that. And I think that's great. Yeah, man. Don't never, you know, don't don't, don't get bad. don't don't get fucking bogged down and regulated. We live in such a crazy time. First of all, it's not like that kid put that out. He just was a kid out of Popeyes that somebody stuck a camera in his face, yeah. and for the rest of his life, he, people. From were, the video I saw, he said he hated it. Of course, he hated it. <laughs> They're calling him fat for one. They're calling him. Oh, you are the other fat kid. Ontario, y'all. Yeah. So yeah. So. For the rest of his life, he's like in people's text threads. I use that text. I use him in text threads at least once or twice a week. So that's the rest of his life. He's a, he's a meme, and so I'm glad he could turn that into some money, no matter how much it was. I just hope that they don't have him on a billboard or in a commercial scarfing down chicken wings. And I know that we talked about like stop, com- stop using uh, white people's. Um, thoughts and you know perceptions as a benchmark for how you walk, walk around in life, but I just I don't know. I when I saw Jerry Rice put on a chicken helmet, I saw there was Mary J. Blige. She was dancing, singing with chicken wings. It's just something about don't don't dance and sing eating chicken. I, it just we don't need to do that. So if, if if now Popeyes has great chicken, and if they want them to be eating a family meal or something and saying like from memes to dreams, it's all about how you choose to attack. The commercial. Don't have him singing. That's all I ask. But from memes to <laughs> from memes to dreams, that's great. It's fantastic. I think that's great. He's a young kid, and I'm glad he followed his dreams. Anything else? No, that's it, man. Okay, cool. Yeah, shout out to what's his name? Dennis Collins. Dennis Collins. Yep. Dennis Collins. Shout out to Dennis Collins. Friend, my good vibe story is about a man who spent his life helping disabled people find a home, and he has now won two two and a half million dollars. He won a two hundred. I'm sorry. He won a two and a half million dollar country house and a raffle. So a guy who spent his life helping people find homes won a two million dollar home. Two and a half. Let me put some. That half matters. Two and a half million dollar home in a raffle. That's nothing but that's that's good karma right there. So a man who spent years helping disabled people find homes has won a two and a half million dollar country house and a raffle. Grant Carson scooped up the five bedroom farmhouse complete with eight acres of Lake District of, of, of eight acres of the Lake District after entering the Omaze million pound house draw. The 58 year old widower said that he can now get a dog, which was always something that he wanted, but was always out of the question due to chronic arthritis he has had since he was seven. Now, you want a house that doesn't you still have that. So, but more space, <laughs> great, more space. Uh, the new home is surrounded by such idyllic countryside, and he can 
definitely afford a dog walker because yeah. along with the house, he was also given $100,000 in cash. God damn. Wow. Pay that mortgage. Um, so uh, organized by Omaze, a charity raffle that lets people support a good cause with the hopes to win a prize. Okay, such like as that. a yeah, such as a guitar played by Jimi Hendrix. That's got to be worth millions of dollars. Ooh, signed, or, I hope so. Oh yeah, I mean, how else would you know it's played by Jimi Hendrix? Sticky, make it up. Yeah, well, that yeah, fraud scam. Yeah. yeah, or lunch <laughs> with George Clooney. That's not as good as All these right. things are like millions of. Do- it's like that thing where people go, "Would you rather uh, half a million dollars or dinner with Jay Z?" Yeah. It's like I'm, <laughs> I'm broke. Give me half. Yeah, give me half a million dollars. Who the, the fuck? Jay Z. I said, imagine choosing that and you go to have dinner with Jay Z. He goes, "I don't know, man. Just work hard. Believe in yourself." Yeah. You go. I Man. can't pay my bills with what you just said, Hove. No, I'm just saying, never give up. You're like, oh, thanks. And he's like, you got this, right? Slide you the bill. He was eating tomahawk steaks and shit. You know, Jay's, Jay's not going to eat your bullshit dinner. So he's going to eat that dinner. So the dinner costs you $800. I think that's just the cool thing to say. It's with fake people that think <laughs> hustler mentality is a real thing. They go, no, I would take the would gems. Take- the gems you could get from Hove. What did he say? What, what could he possibly say? <laughs> what could, well, what I did was I took a hundred million dollars and I turned it into a billion dollars. Yeah. You go, I guess but I'll just do that. <laughs> that's not. Thanks, Hove. I guess I'll just do that. And he gets up and says, "All right, I gotta go." I only said I only said I set aside thirty minutes asshole, for dinner. No pictures. Yeah, no. It's like, no well, can I get a that. picture for the gram? No, I don't do that. No. I'm out. That's nah, crazy. give me the half a million dollars. It sounds cool. I get it. Yeah, it sounds cool. No, I was, no, y'all to just go take, like, y'all gonna take the quick money. money. Y'all gonna take the I quick am. money. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. for sure. <laughs> and Hove would tell you at that dinner, like you probably should have took the five hundred thousand. Yes. Why would you? I mean, dinner. I mean, did you? Are you having fun? Like it would be so awkward. He's like, he would every ten minutes he'd be like, so they said a half a million. Yeah. Or this. All right, I guess you know you want a roll. You want me to pass you a roll? Anyway, so yeah, so it's like. This guy won a two and a half million, two and a half million dollar house and a hundred thousand dollars. Mm. Somebody else won a Jimi Hendrix guitar, I assume signed, and somebody else won dinner with George Clooney. Is he gonna fuck you? Like, what? No, he's not, and he's not gonna want to be there. Do you think George Clooney wants to spend his night having dinner with a stranger? What if you flip the house, can you do that? <laughs> I don't know. It's your house. You got to live in it for two years. Yeah, some kind of some kind of stipulations. Yeah, <laughs> you get the deed after five years. Flip that shit immediately. Yeah. So George Clooney was an option as well but in this case this guy won a house carson worked at the same glasgow charity for 27 years helping disabled people with all aspects of life and had never won anything before damn that's sad yeah so this is a big one to win for the first time to win something he was understandably he was due yeah he was due he was due on in every aspect good person and never won something win something big finally he was understandably stunned when the old maze team surprised him at at his three-bedroom home in glasgow Oh, you think it was think it was all scripted? No, I think no, I think no. he was surprised. I mean, if they came with cameras, they probably like came and said, "Hey, b- make sure you go big." And that's the thing; everything's fake when you see it on TV. Yeah. Even like surprise with people with checks, they know the check person's out there, and they go, yeah. "So we're gonna open the door, we're gonna knock twice." Yeah, yeah this already happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was surprised at first when I saw your van pull up, but then this me opening the door. <gasps> what? Yeah, I won. What? That's all bullshit. TV's a lie. Everything's fake. We're all it's a simulation. So it's not your average Friday night. That someone comes to your door and tells you that you've won two and a half million dollars of worth of a house, said Carson. I might be one of the luckiest men in Scotland. Uh, he recently decided to embark on a new career path as a freelance consultant. He said, I've just left my job. See, uh, help, I, just le- I just left my job helping disabled people across Glasgow, which I had done for 27 years. But this win has given me enough financial security that I'd 
I'd never dreamed of, which means I can focus on my new venture, which is helping organizations to meet the needs of disabled customers with a lot less pressure. Carson is not compelled to live in or keep the house. He can either move in, rent it, or sell it. There you go. This is a great fucking organization. That the, the prizes are great, other than dinner with George Clooney. I'd pass on that. If he does decide to rent it out, local real estate agents estimated that the property could yield more than five thousand euro a month from rentals. I love the Lake District. It's one of the most beautiful places in the country. I'm still pinching myself that I actually own a house here, said Carson. I'm not sure what I'll do long term yet, but I'm going to move in for a while and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a little taste of it and then flip that bitch. On that note, the 18th century house is surrounded by stunning scenery with tree-lined gardens and wild meadows surrounded by rolling green hills. It boasts a standalone guest suite. Damn. Got an in-law house? Standalone guest suite with vaulted ceilings and its own kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, and living space. Um, So the Omaze company said, we're so grateful to everyone who entered. Um... And the money raised will go towards our our vital ongoing work to take care of dogs and find them find them their forever homes, which at the moment, sadly, so many are in need of. Having worked at a charity for so long, I know firsthand how important it is to raise money. I think these Omaze draws are fantastic for the charitable sector. This is a, a quote from Carson. So yes, shout out to this awesome, well dressed man. That's him right there, fifty eight years old, okay. Grant Carson. Smartly dressed, got a two and a half million dollar home mm. and a hundred grand to do with what he pleases. And he, Fran, is going to get a dog and get a dog walker because he has arthritis. All right. So a little bit of good vibes. You know, this, yeah, this, is, this was a fun episode. We got into some good conversations. Yeah. Um, this was uh, I enjoyed your story and the conversation that came from that a lot. Um, recommendations Corner. Yes. I watched Triangle of Sadness. Okay. It's a movie. I rented it. I don't think it's on streaming platforms yet, but it's a really, really good movie about classism and um, what the value of people, what people do in society is. So just to give you an outline, I don't think it spoils the movie, but it's about all these rich people. And then through through, um, it's about all these rich people who are in a situation almost like a resort Mm -hmm. where you can see like this is rich. Then there's people that work at the resort. Then there's people that are the managers of the people who work at the resort. Mm -hmm. So like even though they are still beholden to the rich guests. They are still above the people who like mop the floors and serve the yeah. food and whatever. It's like, I'm your manager. Mm-hmm. But I still, when the rich people come around, I go, hello, sir. But I get to wear like a nice suit mm-hmm. and you wear made clothes. Yeah, it's levels. Yes, it's levels. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And through unforeseen circumstances, these people end up on like a, it's a desert island type of situation. Okay. And the people who are at the bottom of the class system in society, because they don't have hedge funds mm-hmm. and businesses and whatever, Know how to fish yeah. and cook food because yep. they cook food for these people. And all the people who are rich and are themselves. like, and for themselves and just survive. Yeah. And all the rich people like don't know how to do anything. And then everything flips on its head. Because mm. it's like, if I do all the work. You mean like when he's on his the stranded the, island? Or yes. So it's, it's okay. everything, it doesn't matter. So, right. so there, yeah. but th- so imagine somebody is rich in society and then you end up in a situation where life or death, and it's like, hey, man. But I'm rich. It's like, so? Yeah. It's like, but they're saying it to you like, hey, man, when we get out of here, if you give me your food right now, I can help you out when we get back. I'm rich. And it's like, we might never get out of here. So that means nothing to me. So you, if you can't catch a fish, why would I give you more of the fish that I caught if you can't catch fish? I'm willing to help you, but 
my help goes so far. And it's like it, the allegory between like society I mean, and social safety nets and everything on this island where this, and it's played by this beautiful, lovely Filipino woman who has these great things where she goes, I do all the work. I give you some of my stuff, but I'm not going to give you a lot of it. I get more, I get more of the stuff. Yeah. I don't know if I'm helping. In that situation, life or death, I'm going, how do you benefit me? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why what should I help you? Why should I help what you? What can I get from you? Exactly. But it boiled down. It was crazy. It turned into like sexual favor. It got crazy. I bet. Because it's like, you want my food? What do you want? What do you want to give me for yeah. it? I'm the boss, right? Everybody had to go like, yeah, you're the boss. Eating fucking uh, fish and shit? Yeah, and I caught the fish. I caught the fish. You yeah. get to suck your fingers and eat as much fish as me? When I caught the fish, cooked the fish yeah. and all that? Yeah. Fuck no. Nice. And so it's this beautiful like allegory about classism. It's just a great movie. So Triangle Sadness, fantastic movie. I enjoyed mm. it so much. I didn't get to talk about it. I watched it probably like two weeks ago. Okay. I also watched The Menu. Hated it. Awful. Mm. It's on HBO Max. Yeah, I saw it. You watched it? I didn't watch it. I, saw, I read it and I have it in my list. It's no? you would hate it. You're okay. gonna hate it. So it it's just it's like it's it's so stuffy and pretentious, but like I know it's supposed to be doing that on purpose, but it doesn't land for me. It just feels like, ugh, this movie's gross. Yeah. And I didn't like it. And the reason I don't like it is because it's one of those things where it's like, imagine if somebody made a horror movie about people who drink wine mm-hmm. and how snobby it is. And then, but the mo- the reason for making the movie is like making fun of those people. Mm-hmm. Like saying like, ooh, this wine tastes like oak. And then somebody comes in at the end and goes, that was all grape juice. All of the wine was grape juice. You guys are all assholes. You guys all pretend like you're doing something, but you're not. But the only people who appreciate is this that a reality show? No, it's a movie. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought but that's the premise. The premise is about food okay, and like right. fancy restaurants and how people who go to fancy restaurants and and do reviews of food and stuff. It's all bullshit. Like you don't really know anything okay. about f- good food. You just think because somebody made something with bubbles or yeah. a little small plate of food and they threw the sauce on, on it, and it? Design, yeah. and they go, "This is nice." And it's like, no, you're an asshole. That's the premise of the movie, basically. Yeah. But it's a horror movie, so it's like hard to watch. But that's the that's the message of Have the movie. Have you ever been to a restaurant like that though? I've been to a mes- restaurant like that once. And it's like it's you- good. Those I've been to restaurants like that and thought it was good, but I I would leave that restaurant and be like, I want to go get a burger. I'm so hungry. I want to go get a steak. That was like a, a whole no. steak, not a yeah, cube yeah. of a steak. You cut off a small little piece yeah, of the steak crazy. and then put a sauce on it wow. and a, a cinnamon stick. What is this? Yeah, but then you're, the you're supposed food? to like you're supposed to like move it around in your mouth and catch the notes and it's like yeah man that's cool we had a fun experience let's go get a cheesesteak let's go get a cheesesteak and that's what the movie's about but the only people my whole problem is is like the only people that would appreciate this movie are those people Mm -hmm. who go to those restaurants so it's still like even that asshole gets to go like yeah these people are such assholes like they don't really know what about food science and shit it's like but you're the assholes Mm -hmm. you're the asshole yeah the person who enjoys that movie i feel like is the asshole that they're making fun of yeah Cause who gives a shit about a fancy? Re- what, who's this movie for other than the assholes who go to the fancy restaurants, or chefs? I guess. Yeah. It's like either for chefs or assholes who go to these fancy places and they go, but I'm not one of those people. I really do like the food. So that was my that's my review of the menu. But it was yeah. a, it's the popular movie this week that people talk about, and I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah, watch I watched it? I watched the uh, the next three days mm. on um, HBO Max. I don't know that. It's it was an okay movie. It was I give it about something to watch. It was okay movie. It was about a, uh, I think, uh, Russell, Russell Crowe, Crowe's in it. Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks. Okay, is this the one where he's like a crazy driver guy, the road rage? No, no. Okay, never mind. He's he's trying to get his wife out of prison because she was convicted of of a murder. Ooh. So now he has to come up with this plan to break her out. To break her out. Oh, not legally. It's kind of get her out. Yes, it's kind of like long. 
it's kind of long because it's like they he, they show the whole process of him. That part I'm like the plan. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's, just that's, tell us the plan yeah, in five minutes. That's a, that was a bit too long. Mm. And there's one part where I was like, okay, it's it's a cool movie, but this one part where it's like, I was like, okay, I'm just dropped out. Just just drop the score because <laughs> he before he does his plan. And spoiler, okay, yeah, spoiler, spoiler alert. This is what I do. This is how Fran describes movies. Yes. He tells you, yeah. So uh, this is what happens. He goes in. He he has to find out about some information about like the cops and the time. Uh huh. He has schedule changes yes. and shit. Mm. Liam Neeson is in the movie. He pops in. He's in the movie. He's the guy who know how to break out of prison. Like, <laughs> just pops up. Just, just like in oh, a bar is a meeting. This you is need, a, you need some help. This is a meeting, right? So at he leaves out and mm-hmm. goes. How much owe you, whatever? And he was like, "All I have is this." Liam Neeson just takes his money, whatever. And he goes, "I don't know if this is a callback." He goes, "Good luck," and then leaves. I don't know if he was just oh, like from from yeah, like from taking. I don't, know, I don't know if it was just like, <laughs> man, we don't fuck with taking that much in twenty twenty three. It was like it was a callback. Was like, oh no, I see. Oh, okay, I see oh, it's taken. Oh wait, said, oh, do you think he was playing his character in Taken in the movie? He didn't have an accent. Okay, so I went. That's corny okay. as fuck. I don't like that at all. They could have used, but I'm like, why would they use that? Yeah, instead of them being like, how'd you learn how to pick locks? Like, I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> they could have like, said Ew. anything else. They could. I would have hated that more. He could have said anything else. <laughs> he went good luck. I went. They just had. They couldn't. They, hung, they hung on it. They, they couldn't have. Did themselves. they hang on it? Though? And he like he walks out. That's the that's, that's the last, the last thing they him. say. You don't see Liam Neeson after that. Then they met, they wanted you to go like, oh, that's what the guy said to him yeah. and taken. Yeah. Ill. I said, look at Won't this. Won't ever watch man. that movie. I said, wow. And then the last this part of the movie, I like. This is what got me into true crime. Mm-hmm. So when they was trying to figure out, uh, just they was trying to go back into uh, trying to figure out the murder. Or whatever. Yeah. So the guy detectives go to the garage and he was like, one of the detectives go. Was it raining that day? He took he took a piece of paper, mm-hmm. dropped it in some uh, like a like a thing of water, uh-huh. and it the, the the piece of paper went into the drain, mm. right? And they found something. And one of the girls, a button popped when she ran into the person that did it. Yeah, and he was like, "The rain dropped the thing." And it was like, "Oh, went to go check the gutter," but it wasn't. They showed him putting his hand to feel for the whatever it was yeah. he was looking for, but it was there. He just, he just didn't, didn't feel find it. it. He just didn't feel it. Mm. I was like, man, shit like that. And then when didn't it, come back around? Nope, that was it. Oh. Movie cuts off. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, man. They like went to- No they, payoff. No, they like they like went to South America somewhere. I don't know. Oh, no but payoff. I'm like, but, th- but that part of but, yeah. true crime, I go, that's what that's what got me into this. Yeah. The when detectives go and like, the, yeah. huh. Yeah. And then did that. I was like, that was- A clue. Finding yeah, a that clue. was. I thought that was- But he didn't find the clue. It was right there. He just missed it. Damn, right under his nose. And that was it. So- well, I mean, that sounds interesting. Next two days. I probably the I didn't like the the Liam Neeson thing, but I was like, look at I, this. I might still check that out. Yeah. Um. What? Uh, that show tonight. Yeah, tonight. Oh man, but I can't wait to get with, home. with this out. It will be mm. you'll have watched it. Oh my goodness. Um, last days. Last of us. Last of us. Yes. Last of us. I will be watching that as well. Yes. Um, very um excited about the cast of the of the show, and yeah. I think it's going to be really good. And um, we'll come next week prepared to really oh, give yeah. a real oh, real insight wait. on that. But um, yeah, no, this has been another episode of uh, Affirmative Murder. Um, I've been Alvin Williams. Also, one more time, man. Hey, man, shout out to Grand Ace. The Grand Ace on everything. T-H-E-E-G-R-A-N-D-A-C-E. Laced us up with a fat, uh, fat. Uh, what is this called? An intro, outro for outro, everything. Yeah. New music for the podcast. Shout out to him. Fran, tell him. Deuces.